Welcome to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. Hey, whenever and wherever you are, I hope this finds you well. Uh, we're talking about communication in marriage. This is the In Case You Missed It edition. We had a, a training last night at our Brooklyn campus about communication in marriage. And communication in marriage is extremely, extremely important because you have to be able to bring things and ideas to your partner and express them in a way that you can be heard. That's the big point. That's the big takeaway. To express an idea or a feeling in a way that your partner hears you. Now, that doesn't necessarily lead to a, a solution to problems, but at least it's the very foundation because you're going to be able to hear and understand what your partner needs and wants. And so when we think about communication in marriage, I'm reminded of a story from early in my relationship with Ruth Ann. We've been, we've been married for 33 years. And early in our relationship, she said to me, I want to go to Taco Bell. And so we jumped into the car and and for me, Taco Bell is just fast food. Like you could have Taco Bell McDonald's, Taco Bell Burger King, Taco Bell. Just It's just a generic word for fast food. It really doesn't matter like this, the content of the food for me. For my partner, she wanted Taco Bell. And so we get down the road and I turn into Burger King. And she looks at me, and in that sweet little southern voice that she has, she says, what are you doing? And I said, um, we're getting food. She said, I asked if we could go to Taco Bell. And so I kind of, you know, rolled my eyes and huffed and puffed and went down the street. Now, I was in the service, so I was gone all the time. I didn't really know where anything was. Of course, you know, being the man, I had to drive at that time. And, and so I drove us to the next taco place, which was not a Taco Bell. And I wheel into this taco place and she looks at me and in that sweet little Southern voice that she has, she said to me, did you ask me where I wanted to go so that you could not take me there? Now you can imagine, you know, you're, you're early on in the marriage. And so you're kind of, um, you know, you're, you can get a little testy. And so I took her to Taco Bell. Now I tell you this story just because it's an example of two people trying to communicate and failing miserably because one person did not hear what the other person was saying. I was the one who did not hear what my beautiful, lovely, sweet little Southern partner was saying. And so one of the things that we want to understand from all this, we want to look, uh, so just take a look at the Bible here. This is first Peter where it says, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if they do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, 
since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I know, you know, when we think about this, when we look at this, we think, okay, um, wives as weaker vessels. My wife is very much stronger than I am in some ways. I'm stronger than she is in some ways. Uh, we have to allow that the text is speaking in its own time. And so I think what it's trying to say is when it tells husbands to dwell with wives or to live with their wives in an understanding way, it's really, that really goes both ways. And there's an awful lot of mutual submission. And the Bible does talk about that, how believers submit to one another. There's this mutual ordering under of each partner. Now, I do believe in male leadership in the home, and, and I lead my home. Um, I don't have to w wake up every morning and, you know, demand my cup of coffee and my two eggs over easy. That's not necessarily leading the home. Leading the home is understanding your partner, understanding her needs, meeting her needs even. Uh, tonight, we cleaned the kitchen together. Guys, that's hot. So anyway, what we're talking about tonight is listening. Listening is an intellectual devotion to what the ear is picking up. I really like that definition. Listening is an intellectual devotion to what the ear is picking up. So I might be like words are hitting my ear all the time, but the act of hearing those words, of hearing the intent, of hearing the need behind the words, that's really what we're talking about. A couple things, you know, just basic rules, set a time. You know, you want to make sure that you are uh, respecting your partner and you're, you're saying, hey, can we talk? And that's, that, that should be a clue that, hey, we, we, I want to spend some time and have a conversation. And, you know, even, you know, so set a time. And you might have to do that in a couple of different ways. It might have to be a couple days removed from a, an argument or some, from something that's heated. I mean, you love each other, right? So you can set a time and say, hey, I want to talk about some things. I want to, you know, set some parameters on this time. And that's a good thing. You can do that. Watch your tone. One of the things that I have come to realize, um, I don't know how, I don't know if the camera catches this, but I'm a big guy, you know, and so if I get angry and I'm up in her face, you know, that might be a little intimidating. And so I have to be careful with my tone. Uh, we had an argument a couple weeks ago and I sat on my hands because I wanted to make sure that I was, and I slumped my shoulders just as I tried to get as small as I could because I did not want to be intimidating and physically bullying my wife in any way. Time, tone, trust. Trust is the kind of thing that you develop with your partner over time, that you learn to trust one another, that you learn to um, rely on each other through times of conflict. And often conflict can be the thing that cements you together more than anything else. Time, tone, trust, truth. Tell the truth, you know, um, and be careful sometimes how you ask for the truth. You know, I, I jokingly turned my backside to my wife while we were at, at the, the marriage event last night. And I said, does this make my butt look big? Now, I have a very small butt. So she said no. Um, I don't know why. It's just the way God made me. You don't need to look. A bunch of weirdos. Teamwork. You and your partner are a team. And as a team, you face the world together. You know, husbands and wives, we need each other. And so as a team, we come together. We had, uh, we adopted some kids a long time ago. Feels like a long time ago. And they, all of our kids, birth kids, adopted kids, it doesn't really matter. They will try to divide and conquer. And they've got all day to figure out how to get you and your spouse split. Well, you have to remember that it's you and your partner are a team. 
against all odds and all comers. Put the phone down. You know, put the phone down. Uh, this is a time where you're going to have a conversation with your spouse. Now, I like this quote. This is from Alan Greenspan. And he says this, I know you think you understand what you thought I said. But I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. Now, I'm going to advise you, especially you gentlemen, because some of you are chuckling, thinking, I'm going to use that next time we're having an argument. That's dumb. Don't do it. What you're going to need to do is remember this quote for its content. That the person who is hearing you, you have to make sure that you're actually communicating, that you're actually being heard, because the goal is to make sure that we are respectful and hearing each other. So let's talk about some, uh, let's do an exercise, really. This is an exercise in uh, assertiveness and active and uh, active listening. Assertiveness and active listening. And what happens in assertiveness and active listening is that you are trying not to get to the point, but to make sure that the statement that you give your partner gets heard. Okay, so that's really the point of the active learning exercise. And so what you do is you'll start off with a wish list, a communication wish list. And so in this list, you're being personal. You're trying to tell your partner something that you want more or less of in your relationship. When my wife and I did this last night, um, I, I prepped her a little bit. And so I said, you know, honey, sometimes... I feel like, or I, I believe that we don't have good boundaries about our work relationship. Um, so we both work from home. Uh, we work at different times. We try to be flexible. We take care of our grandchildren. Uh, we have regular meals together. So there's the, the cleanup. There's all those kind of things that happen in a household. And it's just so easy for one or the other of us to get called away from family responsibilities to our jobs. I'm a pastor, obviously, and that, you know, there is no, uh, there's no real time where you're not uh, thinking or working or praying for people in your congregation. My wife is an English teacher, and she teaches people around the world, so she is always getting emails from students, often at um, unusual times, and so she's the kind of person who likes a clean desk. So there are times where she gets caught up in an email thread where she's answering questions or doing something. And, um, you know, I, I look around and find that I'm on duty all of a sudden with my two grandchildren, the eight-year-old and the three-year-old, who don't get along and who love to fight. So what I did for my wish list, I said, hey, I wish we had clearer boundaries when it comes to our uh, work relationship. And then I, I talked about how that would make me feel. That would make me feel... Like we were making a priority of each other, making a priority for our, our grandchildren. And really, uh, if we had some good, tight boundaries there, that would be very helpful. I haven't proposed a solution. I haven't told her that she's doing anything wrong. I'm simply trying to express a feeling and something that I want. I want better boundaries when it comes to our work life. And so what my wife did is she received that. Now, she also, she has what we like to call lawyer mode, where I will uh, propose something or talk about something, and she will instantly tell me the five reasons why it's a bad idea, and I haven't really thought it through. 
um, she, we talked about this last night that she, I'm not throwing her under the bus. Um, this is a thing that we, we've been married for a long time. We know this is something that happens in our relationship. And so it was, a, it was really a good exercise for her because she had to say, okay, what I'm hearing you say is that you'd like us to have better boundaries in our work relationship. And I thought, wow, this is actually, this is fantastic because this is working, right? Oh my goodness. I was able to express something that I wanted. And if nothing else, I got heard. Now we didn't come up with a solution. We've talked about a couple things, but hers to me, because we both did it, uh, hers to me was this. I'd really feel better about our house and ourselves. Now our house is not a mess. My office is a mess. Our house is not a mess. She has this thing from her childhood that just kind of keeps lingering. But anyway, she said, I would really like it if we had a regular cleanup time during the day. And what she's talking about is just, and here's the solution that we came up with is after dinner, we just, okay, let's just bust this out real quick. Just you and me together. We'll ignore the emails. We'll turn the phones off. We'll just clean the house real quick. Doesn't take that long. And we get to do it together. And when I'm cleaning the house in her eyes, I am the sexiest man alive. So win-win, right? So she shared that with me. And so I was able to say, okay, what I'm hearing is that you would feel really special if we took the time to make sure that the house was clean. So that was last night that we talked about this. We traded back and forth. We did it publicly in a room full of, you know, 25 people uh, because we, we use our relationship to try and help other people. We say, hey, look, here's where I'm not doing well or here's where she's uh, excelling. And we want to hold those things out as examples of ways that other people can order their lives and have a good relationship, have good communication. So we made our wish lists, we shared our wish lists, and tonight, yep, we cleaned the kitchen. Because I'm not stupid. The point is to be heard. The point is not necessarily to come up with a, with a solution. The point is not to solve you know any any big crisis in your relationship right at that moment. The point is simply that you are expressing an idea, a feeling, a want to your partner, and you're being heard. So I want you to think about that in your life. I want you to think about something that you want in your relationship. And I want you to think about the process. It involves two things. Assertiveness. You're going to have to set a time. You're going to have to control your tone. You're going to have to speak and say something that you want. And then you're going to have to encourage your partner simply to hear you not to defend. And this is where the language that you use is very important. It's never, hey, you don't do this. When my wife talked to me about the kitchen, she didn't say, hey, you don't clean the kitchen after I cook. And she's right, I don't. But we do it together. So the point is not to solve the problem in this first move. The point is to be heard. And that's so very important because communication doesn't really work without that. So we set a time to talk. We do the I wish thing. We talk about how it would make us feel if we, uh, if we do that. And this is the, the foundation. This is the takeaway. Assertiveness and active listening. Making sure that your partner hears you. And, and making sure that you hear your partner. That's so important because you are responsible for you. 
And you can always, at, at the very least, when your partner is expressing a desire or a concern to you, if you can make the effort to understand what your partner is saying, man, I tell you what, you'll revolutionize your whole marriage. Then you share your wish list. You take turns. By the way, this is from Prepare Enrich, which is a really good uh, marriage, premarital and marital counseling uh, option. If you need some of that, just give me a holler. Share your wish list. The speaker's job is to speak for yourself. Describe how you would feel if your wish came true. The listener's job is to repeat or summarize what you heard. Describe the wish and how your partner would feel if it came true. So with, with my wife, with her desire that we clean the kitchen, I said, okay, so what you're saying is you'd like a regular daily time where we both work together to get the, the kitchen, the house kind of straightened away so that when we go to bed, when we close the household, we don't have to open up in the morning. We don't have to come into the kitchen and be frustrated by the people who closed last night. And so um, after you've done this, this is this is a good spot to pause the pause the podcast. Go talk to your partner. You probably have a list in your head already. It's probably like 30 things. Pick something easy to start off with. Because the point is not to bring up, hey, let's talk about getting a mortgage. Okay, that's a big deal. The point is to learn the process to have this discussion. How good were you at being assertive? And in what ways did you effectively use active listening skills? The point is to hear your partner. Because when you hear your partner, you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to be taking the effort to have a good relationship. And that's a good thing. Okay, so that's assertiveness and active listening. This is kind of the bonus round. Okay. One of the things that I, I read uh, recently, was it, probably la- it was probably last year at this point. Um, the coddling of the American mind. And inside this book, one of the things that the authors talk about, Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff, one of the things they talk about is how to do CBT. And this material that I'm going to give you, it's available for free on their website. So that's, that's the address. Go look it up because it's really fantastic. It talks about disordered thinking and how to reorient the thoughts that you have. And so let's let's walk through some of this because this is really good. When you feel anxious, depressed, or otherwise distressed, take a moment to write down what you're feeling. So many times, the things that are happening inside of our minds and lives, we never really make them concrete. And so when you take a moment to write it down, you can say, "Oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling upset here. I'm feeling something." Write it down and write down the level of distress. Okay, so 1 to 10, 1 to 100, 1 to 1,000. And that way, you're making it concrete, and you're, you're, you're going to be able to think through your automatic reaction to something that happened in the world. So write down what happened and what your automatic thoughts were when you felt the pang of anxiety or despair. Okay, so one of the things that happens to us all the time is that things happen in the world. Right now, let's hope by the grace of God, we are on the tail end of the coronavirus pandemic. And how many times was there something that happened, some news item or somebody in the grocery store or any number of things that just triggered anxiety or despair? And how do we even continue to move forward? You know, there was a lot of fear. What happens if I get it? What happens after I got it? 
Some of us are still dealing with that. There's war in Ukraine. American troops are being mobilized over to NATO countries as a defensive move. Some of those troops are our kids and grandkids. Some of those troops are our brothers and fathers. And so these thoughts, they can introduce anxiety. And some of these things are real. Other things are less real. Sometimes we have anxiety that is related to something that can be very small. Spiders, right? You find a spider in the bathtub. It induces anxiety, even though it's very small. Okay? And so if, if you have a fear of spiders, something that is debilitating, yeah, we need to think through, okay, how do we, how do we get through that anxiety? How do we understand it? Write it down, write down your level of distress. And then we're going to talk about categories of distorted automatic thoughts. And then they list a whole bunch. And there are a lot. So let's do this. Let's go through and let's look at some of these uh, disordered thoughts that happen in our minds. Mind reading. You assume that you know what people think without having sufficient evidence of their thoughts. This happens all the time. When we think, okay, so-and-so did or said something, and that means inside their mind they're thinking bad things about us, right? Well, let me tell you, there are so many times where, I, and I, I used a couple tricks, uh, I, and I do this for myself, this is 100% real, if I don't know what's going on, I ask a question. Hey, you seem upset. Is everything okay? And if the person says, yeah, I use the most charitable interpretation possible. So if I see someone who's upset about something, I say, hey, is everything okay? Are you doing all right? Are you mad at me? And if they say something like, no, I'm not mad at you. Nothing's wrong. Why are you being ridiculous? then I just assume, okay, I'm going to use the most charitable interpretation of that, and I'm going to decide that I don't know what's going on inside this person's mind. Maybe they'll call me later and we can have a conversation about it. But I'm not going to read minds, because that will drive you crazy. Okay, catastrophizing. You believe that what has happened will be so awful and unbearable that you won't be able to stand it. I can't tell somebody how I'm feeling it will create a catastrophe and our marriage will, die, will just wither and die and my children will hate me and my dog will run away. And I mean, that's not necessarily the truth. Sometimes when you have a confrontation with someone, it goes phenomenally well. And in going phenomenally well, you can become better friends, you can become a better spouse, you can have a better relationship. Negative filtering, you focus on negatives and seldom notice the positives. Overgeneralizing, you perceive a pattern of negatives on the basis of a single incident. Oh, this guy said this, therefore he's a completely negative person. We can't do that, folks. We can't do that, and especially in your marriage relationship. Uh, there's a long list. I'll just uh, whiz through a couple of these. Unfair comparisons, yep. Okay, so if you know somebody who's like this, and you know another person who's like the same way, they're not the same person. I had someone, this, this happens all the time, unfair comparisons. Well, you, uh, you used to be in the military, so this is the way that you are. Well, 
no, I'm a little more complicated than just some old military guy. Oh, well, you used to be a truck driver, so... Well, yeah, but I'm also a seminary graduate. So, like, which one are you going to compare me to, you know? Um, we're more complicated than certain things. And so it's important to not compare unfairly. You focus on what you could have done better in the past. This is a regret orientation rather than on what you can do better now. This is the woulda, coulda, shoulda problem. You know, you go back in time and you think, man, if I had just done this when I was younger rather than doing that, well, you can't go back and do it again. You can't. And so living with those regrets is just allowing the past to destroy opportunities that may be right in front of you for the future. What if? What if? What if this and what if that? Emotional reasoning. You let your feelings guide your interpretation of reality. All of these things are disordered ways that we think. And we do. That's the most important thing to realize out of all this, okay? So um, we want to write down what we're feeling. We want to assign a number value to it so we understand, okay, I'm feeling anxious or upset, I'm, and it's a 10. And then we want to think about the categories of automatic, uh, disor disordered, and disruptive thoughts that we might have. We want to think about those categories and ask ourselves the question, hey, am I, am I thinking incorrectly here? And then we want to do a couple different things with that. So we've, we've written those down. We've looked at the list. And then you want to look at the next questions. Look at the evidence for or against your thought. Okay, this is where you get to be brutally honest with yourself. Sometimes about yourself. And say, okay, um, I'm overgeneralizing here. And you know what we recognize? Because a lot of these patterns become habits they're habits that were built that we build into our lives. Maybe at some point as a child, we use them to navigate the, a difficult childhood or even an easy childhood. And they've become habits and patterns that we use even today. And so we have to understand them and say, hey, wait a minute, maybe I'm thinking incorrectly. Ask yourself what someone might say who disagreed with you. Is there any merit in that opinion? Trying to think from someone else's perspective is so valuable. It's so valuable in life, in ministry, and especially in marriage. Man, if my pastor was sitting here and listening to me have this argument with my wife, whose side would he be on? Both of yours. Because he wants both of you to understand the truth and to understand where you're thinking incorrectly and to come back together stronger so that you can face a difficult and challenging world. Consider again what happened and reevaluate the situation without the cognitive distortions. Write down your new thoughts and feelings. For example, I'm sad and disappointed that a date I was excited about got canceled. Write down again, using the same scale as before, how anxious, depressed, or otherwise distressed you feel. It might go from a 10 to a 2 because you've thought through what happened. Uh, you've thought through your response to it. You've decided how to engage in that conversation. And so use this. This is, uh, like I said, the, 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 the coddling.com. And they, they include that. It's on their website. The book is really a good read. And it really does kind of drill down to the automatic, distorted thoughts that we use to get through every day. And sometimes we need to change them. 
And to change them, you have to do, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. It's just telling yourself the truth about the world around you and your responses to it. Because the goal and the goal of the exercise is to have assertiveness and active listening so that you and your significant other are at least hearing one another. At least. My wife and I were early on in our marriage. We were out to dinner and a very nice restaurant. I think she got fish. I didn't get fish because that's not food. And so um, we're at dinner and, and she was sitting there. We were talking and she was thinking, I wonder if he likes me. Wow, isn't that crazy? We were married. Of course I liked her. I was crazy about her. I mean, she's my wife. She's the, the standard, the, the woman by which all other women are compared and fall short. And I want that in your relationship as well, that you and your spouse are able to communicate, that, that you're able to at least sit, sit down, have a conversation where you're telling your partner something that you think or feel or need. And I'm sure that as, as you practice it, it's just like everything else. The more that you practice, the easier it comes and the better you'll be at it. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't offer, at least uh, here at the end, that if you need help, if you find that you're just not able to keep moving forward, by all means, reach out for help. You know, we, we have at Heart of the Lakes Church, we have three different pastors. You have like opportunities abound. You know, we, we love to get phone calls from you. We love to get text messages. We love to pray for you. We love to help you. And we are not territorial. You can call any of us and you can say, hey, I'd, I'd love to have coffee. Can I sit down and talk to you about my relationship? Yes, we'd love to do that with you. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope these uh, assertiveness, active listening, um, and cognitive behavioral therapy. If you have any questions or comments, of course, you know, like and subscribe and all of other stuff. And we'll see you next time on The Unqualified Scholar.